Hi, Val here, and this is my podcast, The Kalahari Diaries. I live in one of Africa's most remote wilderness areas. Nature and wildlife is my biggest passion. I hand-dressed Serga the lioness and walked the Kalahari to join her on her hunts. My work is on tourism and nature conservation. For fun, but also for wildlife monitoring, I fly anything that gets me into the air. I live in an old caravan. The next supermarket is a two and a half hour drive away on sandy and bumpy roads. There is no cell reception anywhere nearby, and the only comms is an extremely slow, extremely expensive satellite internet connection. I am Valentin Grüner, and this is my podcast, The Kalahari Diaries. All right, welcome back to another episode of The Kalahari Diaries. I really don't want to bore you with a long conservation-type podcast, so I figured I'll just do a podcast simply about Serga and specifically how Serga acts on her walks with me and what she does and how she behaves, um, just from what I can observe, obviously. And before we really get started with the walk, I would just quickly like to say why Serga is still in her enclosure and then we go out together and why I'm not leaving her outside completely because the area is basically finished. Not basically, it's very much finished. But there's just been all kinds of reasons for this. Now, number one is I'm a I'm a worried dad, and of course it's scary to to just let Serga run. But actually, I'm not so much worried about Serga. What worries me more is that over the past year there has been a lot of what we call summer melons, which is wild melons that that grow in these areas, and they have been growing right outside Serga's area. And some local shepherds with their livestock have settled down there for quite some time and we had long discussions with them because they basically used the fences of Serga's reserve to to sort of push their animals against if you understand what I'm saying because the areas are massive the where they were to the north from there like three times the size of Switzerland it's just big wildlife areas and strictly speaking those people should not even have been there but it's kind of a tradition to follow these melons because that means their livestock can live there without having access to water and the guys collect the melons they stomp them into like a paste and that's what the animals the goats and the sheep are eating but because they don't like having the animals run away and then they got to go look for them they basically put a post very close to our fence and then every day they just chase the animals towards our fences which yeah caused a lot of livestock standing right there at Serga's fence. So I have been outside with Serga many, many times, obviously during this time, and Serga often went right all the way up to this boundary of her reserve, and then she's been watching the horses and donkeys, and the good thing is that we found out Serga fully respects the fence. Although she charged at the animals standing on the other side a few times, she never even touched a wire. She just runs, gives them a fright, and she enjoys when they run off. So it was good to see that the fence is working in that regard, but simply because I was worried about these people there, not just about Serga possibly digging a hole and going underneath the fence line somewhere, but also about those people, because surely they will have weapons and stuff that, that they might you know, do something to Serga. So I've decided during that time to simply go outside together with her, and that's what we've been doing. Then, unfortunately, we had these big bushfires, and... What happened with the fires, one positive is that the people moved with their sheep. They went away because all the grass around them burned. Nothing happened to the people and the sheep stayed safe and all the other animals there. So that's the good news. But because all the grass burned, the people had to leave. Uh, sad for them, but good for us, I guess, and good for Serga. But on the other hand, the fire damaged quite a bit of our fence lines. 
including Silgas Reserve fence, which is almost 20 kilometers of fence, and it's quite a lot of work to maintain everything that's without even a fire going through. Now we have a couple of burnt poles and some electric wires not working and things like that. So until that's done, I'm going to continue to take Silga out on a regular basis. And hopefully in about a month or two, we will have the fence repaired. And then the idea is to actually start letting Silga be outside by herself. Yeah, so that's what's been going on lately. And that is why Silga is still in her large enclosure, and then we go out on a regular basis together. And exactly how that works, I would just like to tell you in this podcast and take you with me on a walk with Serga when she enjoys life outside in the bush. To start off this whole thing, it's always a big hug as soon as I open the door. That's the, the standard procedure. Serga has never not done that. That's just um, something to, to hurt my back a little bit. And But she loves it so much and she also stands on her back legs and gives me this big hug. Now, when we go walking, I leave the door open. And actually, I used to open the door and then Serga would jump through the door. But that's such a big jump that it, it completely takes me out. And I fall on my back and actually hit my head quite hard, although it's soft sand. But when there's such power in Serga when she jumps like that. So what I do now is I open the door and I step inside into her. That sort of stops her from getting that momentum and jumping so far at me. So it, it works just much better and much more safely for me to do that hug when I step into her and not letting her jump. And then she gives me the hug, but the door is now open. So she knows that we're going to go out and she hugs a little bit. Then she runs through the door. And usually as soon as I follow her through the door, I have to quickly sit down because I don't want to endure a second hug each time because she always turns around and comes for a little cuddle again just outside the door. And then she sort of walks off a little bit and just stands there. She never starts her walk without me because she just waits for me. And then I got to grab some things, the cameras and the radio that I can talk to the camp while I'm out in case I need help with anything. And yeah, camera gear, an extra battery pack and Serga's collar because I don't put the collar on right away. Otherwise, in this early excited stage, she might hurt me by wearing the collar. She comes to snuggle me too hard or something like that. So then we start walking. And this first part is really the excited stage of Serga's walk. She's completely crazy. She runs up and down and she tries to charge at me and jump at me. Nothing serious or aggressive. It's just play. But unfortunately, Serga can never play with me completely as she would be able to with other lions because I'm a little bit more breakable than a, a big lion, I guess. So I have to be extremely aware that Serga, you know, is enjoying herself, but that I don't break while she's doing that because she's so happy and what lions do is that they they love to catch their opponent out in a way so they wait for any moment that you're not paying attention and then they charge at you jump on you she'll hide behind the bush and she just waits and she's so excited and then she comes running but it can really be painful and i have to watch out so carefully that if she jumps at me that i'm never anywhere near a log or anything on the ground because if Serga's on top of me and we and i would fall onto a piece of wood or something it could easily break some bones or even my back or hurt my head and then i'm knocked out so i'm very very careful at that time and i usually just don't let her catch me out so i make sure that i have full attention on Serga and that i don't spend one second not paying attention to her because that way she is trying she's sitting behind the bush waiting for me but I, I keep talking to her I tell her I can see you I can see you and that's kind of how 
we go along and she then just runs off and is happy and she finds a bit of places to roll around usually she rolls in the sand it's just a happy cat she usually jumps a tree or two on the way still while she's quite excited and that's just her sort of first 30 minutes where she's just so energetic crazy it actually exhausts her quite a bit because she keeps on running and that's definitely the part of the walk where I have to really watch my ass excuse my language because Serga is absolutely yeah so powerful and she means nothing bad but in those moments she could very very easily hurt me quite badly yeah and that's just how this first bit goes and just to give you an idea of how I cannot sort of pull my attention away from Serga at all is that usually whoever comes with me when I go out with Serga there's always Sarah there usually my girlfriend who is filming a little bit when we go out and she's obviously sitting in a vehicle and then whoever is there with her they have to just wait until I'm far enough so that they can leave the area that Serga doesn't hear the car and she doesn't run to the gate or something like that so I usually try to call them on the radio to let them know now it's safe i'm far enough away you guys can head out but often this first half an hour is so intense that i can't even pick up the radio and just quickly talk into it because Serga will use that very moment to come and fully charge at me and just give me a big tackle and i don't think i can survive those so i really cannot actually find a moment to even quickly say hey i'm good you guys can leave it's it's so intense being outside with her for that first little bit at the same time, it's just so nice to see her so happy and it's so joyful. I mean, it's, it just yeah makes me happy as well. But it's also just this little bit of a risk there every time because she's just too strong and too happy. And that excitement can yeah make her forget that she needs to be careful with me. But luckily, it only lasts about 30 minutes. Then she gets a little bit exhausted from all this excitement. And also she starts then to actually focus on her area. So she gets a little bit more calm. That's the moment when I can maybe sit a little bit with her. She starts rubbing her head against me and she starts looking around. And that's this calm phase where she sort of collects herself and she really uses her senses just to get an idea because until then she was completely out of it. She was just running and happy and couldn't care if anything is in her way or what's, where there is animals. Uh, that's just her letting out this energy and excitement now is then that moment where she starts to really focus and paint a picture and that's really amazing to watch because she can then sit for 10-15 minutes and just stare in different directions listen so carefully and she'll even calm down her breathing to a level where it's almost something you cannot hear at all anymore although she usually breathes very very heavily but in this moment she is listening so carefully that her own breathing would be disturbing her senses and she is just so careful and obviously I try to do the same thing I breathe very very quietly and I try not to move much and I just sit there and let her form this image in her head about what's going on and it's just amazing to see how Serga is actually slowly painting a picture with all these senses that obviously with us don't work like that anymore it's the her smell you can really see how she's sniffing and smelling the air and for quite some time she really takes it in and her ears are always busy and you can see they're turning a little bit into different directions and obviously she's looking but the eyes at this stage the eyesight is probably the least important sense of all because nothing usually at that stage is close enough so that we can see it and it's just the hearing and the sense of smell which really 
gives her a picture of what might be going on somewhere in front of her. And what's important here is the wind direction. So what Sergei will normally do is that she'll sniff into the wind, obviously, and if she doesn't get any sense or any ideas of what's going on somewhere, then she will walk with the wind on her side. So basically say the wind's coming from the right, she'll just keep on walking like that until she'll find a moment where she sniffs something and gets a little scent of a herd of animals. And that's when she will start turning into the wind to actually follow that scent. So it's amazing how instinctively they just do this so perfectly correct to find out where the right smell might be. So I usually know because of where the wind stands in the morning before we go walking, I already know where we're going to end up roughly because she will yeah, sort of walk along the wind and then start turning into the wind as soon as, as, soon as she gets a scent from some of the animals. That is a very beautiful phase of the walk. Usually that's the time when she starts getting calm enough so I can put the collar on her, which means I don't have to have that collar on my neck. And I mean, it's easy for her to carry, but for me, it's a little uncomfortable. It's not designed for a human. And that's that part when now I can also relax a little bit more. I'm always very, very focused and aware of Serga. And also at this stage, she hasn't really exhausted herself yet. So it's important that I stay very focused and don't let her catch me out in a moment where I'm not paying attention because, again, that's when she will just use that moment and try to tackle me or something, which is just playful behavior and completely normal. But that's just what I always have to sort of be aware of. Once she figured out where she wants to go, and obviously now she has an idea that there is something, she usually knows what it's going to be, then she just starts walking. And often I will along the way start figuring out what she's actually after because she will not always stay on tracks of these animals, but she'll continuously walk and there's tracks all over the place, but then she'll stick her nose into a certain track, for example, from some elands. And then she'll start walking completely different direction, not where the tracks are going, but she will go to those elands. And that's where I see, okay, Serga is following the eland herd, so I can now anticipate what's going to happen a bit later. And I can also start forming this idea in my head of what Serga is seeing. It's quite amazing to be able to watch all this happening like that. And this walking really can take quite a long time it can also be quite short it really depends on how far the animals are away but this is a phase where Serga really moves she's now on the move and it can be quite a lot of kilometers where she's zigzagging behind these animals and trying to figure out where exactly they are and that's a very active phase I also have to walk quite fast sometimes she even goes into a little trot and that's just how we go along during this walking, she always finds a little bit of distractions along the way, which sometimes can actually be animals that surprise us. On the last walk yesterday, actually, we had a, a herd of Hemsburg that just came running. They were running past us and obviously had no idea we were there. And Serga used the moment to do a beautiful charge into the Hemsburg herd. She didn't get any of them because it came all as a bit of a surprise. And I think not just to me, also to her. And that just happened while we were actually following elands. And then a little bit later, we found a jackal that was just busy hunting for mice in between some bushes. And Silga simply enjoys giving a jackal a good chase. She never caught one when we're out on the walks, but it gets pretty close. And the jackals obviously get a hell of a fright. But usually Silga catches up to the jackal actually speed-wise, but they just do a very quick turn because they're so light and um, quick to turn around and go and change direction 
That's when Silga just shoots over because she's so big and heavy. And that's how the jackals get away from her. This particular one just ran through a bush and Silga was on the other end of the bush and that's when she gave up. So the jackal got away, which is good for him. She wouldn't eat them anyways. That's just because she, she likes chasing stuff. But that doesn't stop her from her mission. So she will have these distractions and then go back onto her track. Also, along the way, if she finds fresh urine from any of the herbivores, she'll roll around in it and really use time to roll in that sand. And she actually takes her paws and puts the wet sand on her stomach, usually with her paws. So she kind of shovels the sand onto her body and really rolls around in it, trying to, to get this everywhere, which I don't know how much that is to cover up her own scent. But in a way, obviously, she's trying to take on the scent from her prey. And what shows clearly also that that she wants to smell like a prey is simply because when she comes across predator tracks and then marking spots of, for example, the leopard or hyena that are in those areas, she never rolls in it at all. It's not interesting to her in that regard. But what she does do is she sniffs and she takes in the scent and then she does the flemming grimace, which is when these animals pull up the, the upper lip and it looks quite funny and cute, but that's when actually what they're doing is they're taking in scent and using something called a Jacob's organ, which all mammals have. And it's just another sense that they can uh, use in, on top of their ears and their eyes and their nose. So almost like an, another sense of smell that's on in, in the top of the mouth. And that's why they open up the mouth like that and, and let in some air. And she only does that for predators, not for any of the herbivore markings or droppings. That's the ones she rolls in. And that just shows the difference that she makes in her prey and then in other predators, which are not her prey. She might kill other predators like a jackal, but it's not food. Lately, Silga has been focused on elands quite a bit, which is probably because a few times now she was very, very close to actually getting an eland. She grabbed them a few times, but unfortunately she picks one of the biggest ones each time she actually gets to to run at them properly. And an eland is simply too big for a single lioness to pull down a grown eland. If she would go for one of the smaller ones, then she would have a very, very good chance to actually take it down fully. And yeah, that's basically uh, what she's been going for now because she got close to them a few times and that's now what she wants to hunt and actually what she looks for every time we go out probably because she can see she's getting so close to a success it used to be in the old camp mostly wildebeest because there was a big population of wildebeest and mainly that is what Serga killed although she had killed hartebeest and eland there as well but she's usually been looking for wildebeest because that was her main prey now is really turned into the eland, which is making sense because there are wildebeest there, but only about 11 in Silga's area. But there are about 50 to 60 eland and about 40 chemsbok. The chemsbok or oryx antelope, they are quite dangerous for lions. And she actually knows that often they turn around while she's chasing them and give her a bit of a fight instead of running away. And then she leaves it. So she's not that keen on the Chemsburg, although she always gives them a chase if she gets a chance. And she has been very, very close, actually, sometimes to, to catching them as well. And they are in size quite a bit smaller than the eland, so easier to hold. But their horns are very long and very sharp and quite dangerous because they can reach all the way past their own behind, which is where a lion will usually grab the animal. So the horn can actually go all the way back on a Chemsburg, whereas on an eland, if you grab it by the hind, that's no issue because... The only thing it can do is kick, but the horns are in the front and they cannot get there. 
So Remsburg can be dangerous, but that's part of life. And Silga is actually very good in dealing with it and understanding all this instinctively. This walking section, as I said, can really take many hours or not as long at all because we find the animals very quickly. But in any case, on pretty much every single walk, Silga will get to a stage where we come very, very close to these animals. And that's when the next phase sort of starts, which is when she really starts to stalk. What's happening before is that she will have like a vague idea of this whole scenario that's going on. There is probably Elan somewhere in front and she will maybe get the scent and she sniffs on the track. So she knows she's not too far away from them, but she doesn't really know yet where exactly they, they are. So this new stage when she completely changes behavior again is when she actually locates the animals. And it, it's quite amazing how far away that can be sometimes. It depends a lot on how windy it is because the wind disturbs a lot of the, the scents. A light breeze is perfect because it'll bring the scent from somewhere and she will then focus on that direction. But many days are actually extremely windy, almost like a bit of a storm. And that's just confusing all the senses, making it very hard to find anything also for, for a line. Once Serga gets to the stage where she locates the animals, she basically freezes for quite some time. And it's usually her hearing that's now really active. Because before that, I think the, the smell was the main thing that she just follows scent. Now the hearing becomes very, very important. And that's starting to really give an idea of where exactly they are. This could still be a kilometer or two ahead of us, but she starts to hear something. And she just sits and waits, which obviously gives an idea of what these animals are doing. I think she can probably hear them eating. She can hear them communicate. Some of them make quite a few noises every once in a while. Then some of them sneeze sometimes. That even I can sometimes hear then if I, if I hear a sneeze from these animals. They use their tails to swat away all the flies that are around them. And that's something that's actually making noise that you can hear as well. And Serga starts to paint a picture now of what exactly these animals are doing. Are they busy eating? Are they actually moving? Is the noise moving or is it coming from one spot where they're just resting? And it can take quite some time. So she just sits, freezes and just watches or listens to the scenario. And she now doesn't really just walk and, and cover any distance anymore. What she'll do is she'll start covering up completely so she's always hiding in some cover using bushes or even tall grass and slowly gets closer but she will walk from one bush to the next and then she does the same thing she sits again forms a new picture makes sure everything is still going on just the way it is and then she'll go to the next bush and the next bush and the next bush and this can really take hours and hours just for Serga to get closer this last part of this phase really starts when Serga actually gets eyesight on these animals, which is amazing. I always know what's going on because that's when her head like completely focuses and freezes and she's staring into this one direction. And she's so focused on this that I actually have to be quite careful that I just quietly whisper a little bit as I'm coming up behind her because otherwise, if I all of a sudden just pop up next to her, she will actually get a fright and slap me because it's just scaring her that somebody is sitting right there next to her all of a sudden so it's quite important that I remember to communicate a little bit with her just quietly so that the animals don't get a fright but that she understands I'm actually coming up right here behind her it's also just because if Serga gets a fright she might not slap me it has happened that I didn't pay attention or I was trying to be so quiet and she just didn't know that I'm right there and all of a sudden she turns her head and I'm there and instead of slapping me luckily she just makes a big jump but also a big noise like a really scared 
grunting growl noise and that's very loud and obviously at that stage all the animals are now gone because they heard the lion make a noise and I'm trying to avoid that as well. So it's not just that I'm scared she will slap me, but also we, we just got to make sure it's all very, very quiet. Yeah, so Silga has this focus now on these animals with her eyesight, and that's just amazing. She now starts using the ears to turn them a little bit, so you can actually see, like, if she's listening to me, she'll turn an ear a little bit sideways or backwards almost so that she can get an idea of where I am, but her eyes never leave those animals. She just watches and watches and watches. And this state really... Can, it can take Silga sometimes an hour just to move five meters because she will crawl so carefully. And we're now so close that every noise makes a big difference. And Silga's feet will come up while she's completely focused. Her eyes never go onto the ground to see where she's stepping, but she'll pick up a foot and slowly sort of yeah, just feel her way forward and then carefully put that foot down. And if she feels underneath her foot that there's some grass or a branch that might make a noise, she'll pick the foot up again very slowly and just put it on a different place until she finds a spot where it's not going to make noise to put weight on the foot again. And then the next one, and then that's how she just slowly crawls forward and it can really take ages for her to progress in any way. And at this stage, I got to do the same thing. And this is actually where... The whole, I, I'm always walking barefooted. So there's a little side note here quickly, but it's almost impossible to be this quiet if you're wearing shoes simply because that hard sole, I can't lift up one part of it or something like that, which I can do with my foot. So even if I'm feeling that I'm stepping on a piece of wood that's going to make a noise, I just step on the side or lift the front up a bit. And obviously, the so soft skin also helps to not make all this noise on cracking branches. And at the same time, by having the soft skin, we simply learn while we're walking, if we walk barefooted, that we don't step on things that could hurt us. And usually that's the same ones that would make noises because most branches here and stuff have thorns on them. So nobody would step barefooted on these things. And it's something that almost in the back of your mind, you learn by always walking barefoot here to really, really be able to move quietly. Whereas if we wear our big hiking boots, we kind of just stamp through the bush like a little stampede then we act more like like a herbivore with big hooves that just steps on everything and we we just going through so being barefoot helps me a lot to to do the same as Serga and in a way she is barefooted as well she's got the same sort of skin under her feet as we do and yeah so this is how I try to do the same as Serga and to be just as quiet and I'm usually down on all four crawling next to her sometimes lying on my stomach and at this stage, when she's so focused, she can freeze for half an hour, not making a move. And she doesn't even care about a big fly landing on her nose and things like that. And I've got to do the same thing because we can get very close to the animals. And also, the antelope in Africa are extremely aware of their surroundings all the time. So just getting into this position without these animals knowing that we're coming is extremely difficult. And Obviously, I don't want to ruin Serga's hunt for her, so I'm lying there as well, and you got to just let the ticks and flies and stuff like that crawl around on you a little bit because you can't move to swap them away. Now, something I would just like to actually point out is that this whole stage of the walk, that final stalking and getting so close to the animals, personally, I think that is where Serga gets the most joy out of her life, actually, out of anything. And what always makes it a bit easier for me to know that she also spends quite a bit of time in her enclosure is that that exact same stage she can execute while she's in her one hectare camp as well because 
I mean, we are in this wild area and there are herbivores coming past all the time. There's jackals walking around and, and things like that, not inside an enclosure, but just outside the fences. And Silga does the same thing while she's in there. She can spend hours lying in the grass. Sometimes I can see she's lying in the sun, in the grass. It's hot as hell. And she's just staring into one direction. And, you know, she's obviously watching something that's on the other side. And she enjoys that. And she'll get to a final moment where she gets up, gives it a quick run if they come very close to her fence. And then she just scares them and they run off. She enjoys that. Obviously, she can't go for that final chasing moment. But she still has a lot of stuff to do. It's enrichment in her life that there are wild animals around that she can do this whole stalking thing. And her enclosure is quite large. It's the size of a soccer field. It's got a nice dune inside, a couple of trees that she can climb and her own little water hole in there and obviously some nice bushes where she has shelter under. So it's just nice for me to know that this important aspect of her life and that keeps her busy is something that still happens even when she's in her enclosure. So she's not just bored all the time. And yeah, getting back to the actual moment when Serga is outside and there's no fence in between her and these animals, it's actually quite amazing to watch how she's not just going to chase. So a lion is nothing that's when they see an antelope, they just got to run at it. She really, really watches them very, very carefully. And for example, if they're lying down resting, Serga just sits and watches. Sometimes she almost falls asleep while she's doing that because it can take so long and the animals are just happy lying in the shade. So Serga's doing the same. And I think that's because getting close to them is near impossible without being seen or heard while they're lying down because there's no noise generated from these animals lying there aside from them chewing a little bit, regurgitating their food. But all their heads are up the whole time. The ears are busy listening out in all directions. And even if some of them are completely passed out, which rarely happens for all these herbivores because that just means you get eaten. Uh, it's sometimes the calves that are sleeping, but the rest is so, the adults are all so awake and aware of their surroundings just to be safe because they always live with this fear of being hunted and getting eaten by predators. So now Serga is then fully understanding the situation and just waits it out. And when she will start moving closer to the animals is usually when they get up and they start making noise by walking and by eating because a lot of the time these animals have to spend eating grass or eating leaves from the trees and now they have to put their head somewhere where they make a lot of noise with their mouth and their ears are not really focused outside and that's when she will just use that moment when these animals eat to get a little bit closer and obviously if there's a bigger herd with more animals that makes it very very difficult because there's always some of them that are eating but there's an, a few more that have their head up and they're busy looking out so it's very difficult for a predator to get close to these herds when the, these animals are in numbers and that is one of the big reasons why they move in big numbers like that because that safety in numbers it makes it so much easier to spot and to look out for dangers that are outside Whereas if you're alone, you're going to have to put your head down for eating and now there's nobody else doing the looking out and obviously that's the moment when the predator starts crawling up closer to you. So Silga has a hard time getting close to these herds when there are many of them. She's much better getting close to an animal when it's alone and obviously that just makes perfect sense. But as it is the case in Africa, most of the time they are in herds so she really has to focus and really use all her senses to find the right moment where she can crawl a few meters closer behind the next bush when nobody was watching. And 
the favorite time to actually stalk these herds is when they are a little bit on the move because that's when they're not really looking out so much they're making a lot of noise with their hooves and they're walking through the grass so that's when it's it's easier for Sergei to surprise them and to get close to them so this stalking part of the walk sometimes can really be by far the most of the time that we spend outside is just this crawling to animals lying on your stomach unfortunately sometimes it's in the burning sun because in this moment Serga doesn't care anymore if she's sitting in 40 degrees cooking in the sun she just wants to get into the perfect position where she's hidden and she doesn't care if that's in the shade somewhere or not obviously the shade helps so she'll still try to be there but sometimes it's just not possible to use the shade so she'll just sit on the other side of the bush where the sun is hammering on us and sadly I have to do the same thing and it really can take ages I sometimes try to go around, sort of crawl around slowly onto the other side, which maybe is something that other lions would normally do when they hunt in prides, so that I can startle the herd and then they actually escape from me towards Serga. But I've got to admit that it only worked out once so far because usually I just can't manage to do that stalking around them without getting noticed by the animals and then they end up running into the wrong direction and stuff like that. So it's very, very hard to get onto that other side without being seen because I don't have Serga leading me and showing me how to do it so perfectly. So often we just stay together right there with the animals. Sometimes we have bad luck and for example birds come to mob us. If something like a crowned lapwing or even the crows notice Serga stalking these animals they tend to come down and just give us a big shouting at because the lion's lying there and they don't like that either so they just make a big scene and now they know everything's going to get disturbed and most likely the lion's going to walk away simply because they don't want it they're, they're scared of it and obviously the herbivores know these warning sounds from these other birds so if the crows find us sometimes the herd will just get up and walk away and the moment they have realized where we are. Serga will just stand up and completely ignore them. She doesn't care. They're walking past and they're looking at Serga and Serga just walks off and goes somewhere else. So she will never hunt these animals while they're aware of where she is. Maybe in a situation where she's already in a chase and now it's sort of back and forth a little bit. But on this moment, well, when the lion is busy stalking up to the prey if the prey is aware of the lion she's actually just going to ignore it and try again somewhere else so she's not going to actually hunt without having this moment of stalking and getting close to these animals without them knowing that we're even there and i have to admit that is also just such an amazing feeling for me to lie in the bush maybe just 50 meters away from a herd of eland that's sitting there grazing or standing there grazing yeah, it's just an amazing feeling to be able to, to do that next to a lion and you are so hidden. It's like nobody knows you're there. No crows have seen us yet. No lapwing have seen us yet. And we are just lying in the grass like we don't exist and we're observing the surroundings. It's quite an amazing feeling to, to have that. And that's kind of what Serga needs before she goes on a chase. That again also shows you, even for humans, being in the bush, to know your surroundings and be aware of everything that's happening is so important because it's very, very unlikely that any predator is going to start chasing us if we know where it is. And they're extremely good at knowing when we know where it is because obviously we pay attention, we look at it, we take a photograph. It, it's our focus that's going towards the animal and they feel that immediately. And it's very unlikely then to be hunted. So the danger is what you don't know, which means having more experience and really knowing your area the sounds the alarm calls that the birds and the jackals might make for these predators it really helps because usually 
you'll end up knowing what's in front of you long before it ever comes to you. And that's how we stay safe out here and why it is quite safe to just walk around. And I mean, if I'm not with Serga and I walk, sometimes I carry a rifle, but I've never had to use it in any d dangerous scenario because you really can read the bush and reading the tracks in the sand helps to see, hey, there are leopards around or something like that. Then you start paying more attention and you hear the jackals make a call. And obviously, we also know that in the daytime, most of the predators are relatively relaxed and don't really hunt at all. It's just Serga because we go out in the day and obviously she's then using this day to try and practice her hunting skills. Now, sort of getting to this final moment of everything and this is only if it goes well and does not at all happen on every walk that we go on because as i said often the, the crows come and make noise and alarm everybody and now the the herd's moving away and then serga just ignores it she usually gets up and walks a little bit because she she always hopes for another chance that she finds another herd of animals that haven't noticed her yet and then she'll sit down and, and listen again so this previous stages sort of start again and eventually she'll get tired and then we go home. But if we're lucky, we will get to this stage where we are so close and Sergei really gets now within chasing distance. And that's when this last moment, and hopefully in her case, it's, it's a moment where these animals are actually moving and sometimes they start moving towards us and Sergei is just hidden away in her ambush. And that is this moment when Serga gets completely tense, she, she tenses up, you can just see every muscle on her getting tense as it can be. And she starts crawling very, very quick, sort of swift and quietly, but low on the ground forward. And the moment the animal notices her, that's when she really gives it a full on chase. And yeah, usually she gets a bit of a hold of the eland and stuff like that. That's what's been happening lately quite a bit. But she's she's taken one down, one big bull. He fell down, um, and then he got up again. Unfortunately, the GoPro that Serga was wearing when that happened broke because she impacted so hard on that eland. So it wasn't on that camera, and I was too far away to film anything. I just saw the eland go down quickly. I was almost so excited because I figured she got it. But then the eland was simply too big for her. It pu pulled itself off, got away with a few scars on his bum now. And... That's that very final moment. It's never long. Silga never chases for more than a few hundred meters. It's extremely fast. I mean, the way this chase happens, if we watch it on the GoPro back on Silga's that she's carrying on her collar, it's simply so fast you can almost not see the animals. You actually have to play it in super slow motion just to get an idea of what really happened in, in that whole moment of this final chase that Silga does. And yeah, that's just the end of her hunt. Usually. She doesn't catch anything at the moment. I think it also has to do that we do feed Serga, obviously, and she isn't that hungry. She is not needing to make that kill. And it's not necessarily, I think, what they enjoy at all is the killing part or the eating part or the meat or the blood. That's got nothing to do with this. All the instincts are there for everything I've just described before to use all their senses in the bush, to have to, to, to get to these animals, to lie there. And at times, Serga has actually also been just observing these herds. She's lying there and she's actually quite close to them and she's just observing. And then eventually she gets up and walks the other direction. So those animals never knew that there was a lion watching them and she just doesn't care. But she absolutely cares about getting to this close and final moment. So that's so important for her. And then the chase, I mean, it's amazing to see the power that can come out of this lion when she really goes for a quick run, how she can exhilarate that big weight into this 
crazy speed and really catch up to these animals quickly. But it, it only lasts for a few hundred meters. Then, then the power is just exhausted and Serga actually needs a break. Sometimes she cannot walk afterwards for quite some time. She really needs to go and lie down. She's completely flat out. This is now when I can really relax around her because there's no way that Serga is going to try and tackle me or play with me in any way. She likes to cuddle a bit. She always wants to know that I'm close by. If she falls asleep, she usually ends up putting a paw on, on me somewhere so that she knows I'm there. And if I move away, she wakes up. But that's when she's very, very peaceful and a bit cuddly. And often we spend a few hours sitting in the in the heat and the shade somewhere under a tree like that. Serga rests. She gains a little bit of energy. And sometimes she'll have another chase or two on the way. But usually that's not the case. And especially because she's already so exhausted, she's not really able to do a f like a few of these. Sometimes she has two or three good attempts, but that's about it. And after that, she actually needs a few days to recover. And what happens then is once Sirga is tired, well, be that just from walking a long time or not never even having chased anything, but that's when I sort of feel like it's time to go home and I start heading home. Sirga always follows. She's never not done it, so I yeah, never had that experience. She just follows me. She's usually about 100 meters behind me, just trotting after me. And all I have to do is to watch the weather. If it's too hot, Sirga can't walk because the sand is simply too hot. But it's the same for me. So I know if I go into the sand and the sand starts burning my feet and it's hurting, I also just stay in the shade and we wait until the sun is lower in the evening to go home because I know Sirga won't be able to walk on that sand either. So I, there's no way she would follow me when it when it's too warm like that. But usually if I pick the right moment, she's perfectly fine following me home. Sometimes she'll get scent of some animals nearby again and I can see, okay, Sirga's just started focusing on something again and then we have another little stalking session and then we start going home after that. So it's kind of a understanding each other, knowing what the other person wants or person, animal, partner, whatever you call it. And that's how we tag along. And yeah, if Sirga is in the right mood, she will always follow me home. So I have to read her behavior and see if she's ready to go. And then she wants to go home, actually. Obviously, she'll get a snack once we get there. What I have to do first is that I sit outside her door. She's, like I said, usually just about 100 meters, sometimes a little bit more behind me. And then I sit down and I let her hug me a little bit when she comes just outside her door because that's where I take off the collar because once I give Sirga a piece of meat, for example, she's not going to let me get to her neck to take off a collar. She will think that I'm trying to get to her meat and then she will get aggressive. So if Sirga eats close to me a piece of meat, sometimes she puts it on my lap, but I actually can't move until she's finished because if I move, she thinks I'm taking it away and lions are very, very protective over their food. And I, yeah, that's when I really have to be careful that she doesn't slap me. So I, I couldn't get to her to take the collar off after she goes inside and grabs a piece her piece of meat because she always gets something to eat when we come home. Sometimes it's not the meat. Sometimes I make her her baby milk formula, which, yeah, it's just something that she really enjoys. But I also use that to give her medicine like her dewormers and things like that that she gets on a regular basis. And she doesn't know it's in the milk and that way it's easy to get to her and she's enjoying it at the same time. And yeah, that's how we go home. Sirga usually is then after a walk like that, which by the way, normally takes around seven to eight hours. So they are quite long walks and we cover on average, I would say about 
maybe 15 kilometers. And since Serga has a new area, we, yeah, we've done quite a few walks. I think by now we would be at about 500 kilometers total distance that we covered walking her, her new reserve. So we know the area pretty well by now. And Serga is really starting to make it her territory. She has a few trees that she likes to scratch and mark a little bit and things like that. And that's how this goes. But it's definitely exhausting for Serga. And I think after these chases and all of this, she's actually perfectly fine to rest for quite a few days. She's happy in her enclosure. Obviously, she gets a meal every day. I go inside sometimes just to say hi to her. But she doesn't really want to go outside again. And then I can really see in her behavior when she's ready again and she wants to go. So I try to take her out once a week. Sadly, sometimes I'm just too busy with so many other things that we don't make the once a week walk. But that's the goal is at the moment to have Serga out for one day of the week where she really does a walk. Then she is at home resting her body and recovering from all the chasing and stuff a little bit. And then in a week's time, she goes for a next excursion. And very soon we're going to start leaving her outside it'll happen under very very close monitoring in the beginning we're going to be patrolling the fences in the morning and in the evening and obviously she's wearing the color so we will get updates every four hours on the computer about her location i will be in and out checking on her the whole time trying to go find her again see if she's made a kill and especially at night time i'm probably going to be awake checking every four hours her location and things like that just to make sure it's all good and I think initially we're going to do maybe a week at a time, give Serga that experience and see how she behaves. And then if we're very busy with other stuff, for example, when we can't keep a very close eye on her like that, we're just going to bring her home again. And I personally think that she will come home every day anyways. The only difference will be that the the door then will just be open to the big area. And then she can still sit at home. And as long as Serga comes home, in the evening or whatever time she chooses, I'm still going to make sure that she will get a snack here. We will simply reduce the portions. Also because I don't want meat to go to waste. The idea is that we try and always have an eye on her. And when she makes a kill, I can go and take most of the meat because she won't be eating all of that before it goes off. And then we can still cut it into her portions and keep it here so that she doesn't have to kill that many animals because it's still her kill and her meat. And there's nothing wrong with putting it in the freezer for her. So she will remain a lion that we look after very, very carefully and intensely and just having a happy life. And that's also the main thing to me. It's not to say Serga should just be outside and alone. I don't want to leave her because she actually is very attached to me and I really can see how much she wants my company and she doesn't even want to go at the moment on any walks if I'm not with her. So it will be interesting to see how she behaves once I actually leave her there by herself in the beginning, I believe she will just be in the enclosure looking for me and wondering why I'm not going to come outside with her. But it'll just become her massive area. She can always be home here with us. And I'm actually hoping that I'll be able to use like a soccer whistle, which is fairly loud, and start using that every evening and giving her a little bit of food. And like I said, simply start reducing the portion so that she will maybe hunt more by herself but if the whistle goes, basically that Serga comes, it'll also just be something that, I mean, if she's too far away, she won't be hearing the whistle, but her, her ears are so extremely good. I wonder if, you know, it should go over quite a large distance that she can actually pick up that noise. And if that 
makes her come home, we have something that we know if there are poachers in the area or if we know maybe an eland herd ran through the fence somewhere, things like that. We have a way to actually make her come home. Even if I'm not here, that's something that other people can do. So we're now busy getting her used to the sound of the whistle when she gets food. And yeah, it's all quite exciting. So we can't wait to have Serga actually stay outside. I, I can't wait at all. It's just been an endless story of, of reasons why it's not been happening. And like I said, her safety and her happiness is the most important to me. And people sometimes worry about, oh, you're just dumping her. She's never just going to be put in the bush and left there. That's not the whole point. The point is that she lives free and happy and can hunt her own food, but I'm always going to be there. She's never going to be a normal wild lion. Serga is Serga, and yeah, she stays with us. I hope this gave you a bit of a picture of how these walks look like and a little bit of an insight into Serga's behavior and just want to do a little advertisement here right at the end we are actually going to try to make this podcast also a video which means the entire speech right now we're going to put it into a video format and have all the footage that I've been taking on these walks sort of just put there accordingly where it, where it fits with the things that I'm talking about and we are going to post that on our Patreon page which is a pay for thing i do advertise it here anyways sometimes but you don't need to pay any specific amount any amount works one dollar a month or whatever it's monthly donations that you can leave there like i said the amount is entirely of your choosing and it'll give you full access to all the behind the scenes things that we post there and also quite a bit of uh, videos longer videos and stuff about Serga. and this podcast will be turned into a video on that page as well all right Thanks very much for listening and I look forward to the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Kalahari Diaries. Did you enjoy the podcast? Fantastic. You can help me tremendously by subscribing and rating it on your podcast app. Leave a review and tell friends and family about it if you feel like it. If you want to know more about this story, go ahead and check out the website on sergathelioness.com or follow me on social media. You'll find me on Instagram and Facebook at Valgrüner. That is at V-A-L-G-R-U-E-N-E-R and at Modisa Wildlife Project where I'm sharing photos and videos from the Kalahari on a regular basis. I'm Val and you've been listening to the Kalahari Diaries.